0: Hello and welcome back to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast, hosted by me, the Lady Gardener. I am so happy to be back chatting to lots of lovely plant obsessed people about their stories. From flower farmers and allotmenters to some of the greatest garden gurus, listen to us chat about the things we've done in the name of plants, from our biggest achievements to our fabulous garden fails. This season is sponsored by Mole Valley Farmers, who are all about keeping your garden tidy this autumn. Visit them in stores across the UK or at moleonline.com between now and the 26th of October to make the most of their fantastic offers. You'll find discounts on items like wheelbarrows, lawn seed and bulbs ready to plant for spring colour. So head over to check out these items and many more. In this episode, I got to chat to the wonderful Lorraine. A flower farm with such contagious enthusiasm and the most gorgeous blooms. I discovered Lorraine, otherwise known as Happy Roots Farm UK on Instagram, through Flowers from the Farm, who are a fantastic organisation that brings flower growers together to share their knowledge and skills. It felt like this episode came at the perfect time for me personally, when my dreams of making the flower farm happen felt far beyond my reach, but Lorraine's openness and advice reignited that fire and... I really hope that this will help anyone in the early stages of setting up a flower farm, a market garden or any kind of growing operation and if not maybe it'll inspire you to start growing your own flowers. Enjoy! Hi Lorraine, welcome to the podcast. Hi Shannon. thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're a very, very busy lady, so I'm very happy yeah. to have you here.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been really lovely this week, actually. It's been like the first week when things are just slowly starting to settle down a bit. So it's really nice to have the, um, the bit of extra time to speak to you.
0: Definitely. Um, so before we get started, I would love to go. Um, we actually only recently... Uh, kind of found each other so I would love to go right back to the beginning of your story and kind of how you got into gardening in the first place and hear a bit more about that.
1: Yeah yeah I was actually I was listening to um, one of your podcasts with Katrina at Homegrown Garden and it was actually really really similar I think to both of to both of you guys and um, we started with a lot of an allotment probably about 10 ago now um we'd i had been to visit some family over in Barnsley, and um my uncle had got this tiny little veg plot in the um in the bottom of his garden and he'd kind of given us this little pack up when we left of of bits and i got home and i made a little crumble with some of the fruit he'd given us and cooked up some of the veg and I was like, oh, my God, like this is so different to like the the food you get in supermarkets. And it felt really special. And I was like, oh, we need we need to do this. Like we need to start growing our own veg. But we were in a new build house and we we, we had like the, the tiniest little garden that like literally the tiniest little patch of grass. So an allotment was really the the only option. Um, but we were really lucky. We got one right away. It was 10 minutes down the road it was incredibly cheap it was like 10 pound a year um it was yeah crazy cheap um so we um we we started off there and just fell in love with it like we you know similar I think similar to yourself we were just like oh this is really what we want to be doing we both loved my husband and I we both loved being outside we loved taking the kids with us and um yeah, just loved cooking with all our produce and stuff like that. And um, yeah, and just fell, fell in love with it from there. Um, and then kind of how we ended up with a farm. We, um, we, we had a couple of years on the allotment and um, we didn't have any, any mains water up there. We, um, it was quite a trek up two other fields to get to it. Um, we had uh, two really young children then and a third on the way. Um, we had to kind of start all our seedlings at home because we couldn't get there every day to water. Um, so it just became quite difficult to manage. And we were kind of at a point where we were like, oh, I really want to do this somewhere that I can, you know, that we can be there every day. Like if we could do this from our home, it would be it would be amazing. We were kind of ready for a house move anyway. So we kind of started looking for something with a bit more land. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really tricky because we were on quite a tight budget and um, generally if you get a bit of land it comes with like a big fancy detached house um, <laughs> we just didn't have like the the budget for um so we'd we'd kind of been looking on and off and kind of thought oh this is just not it's just not going to happen for us and you know nothing in our price ranges is is going to come up we've looked at kind of really rural wales rural scotland and um, thinking that was probably going to be our only option of, of owning a bit of land of our own um and but you know obviously then the really difficult thing of do we leave our family and friends and all our kind of community um and then our farm popped up on the market and it's it's a really kind of different situation and it's an old land settlement
0: oh again. So
1: was set up in the 1930s um as like a way of resettling unemployed minors and putting them to work um so there's 20 pairs of like three-bed semis like you kind of really typical three-bed semi council type house and um, but each one had six acres wow um and they all kind of run as little mini market gardens so each one had chickens goats um they grew soft fruits brassicas um and they all kind of fed the central farm and produced food together um so because the house was you know very much a normal house and it was um it was the original family that had had it and the lady had the lady had died um kind of got older and died so the house was quite old-fashioned it needed a bit of work doing and um, we managed to get it a really really you know the kind of price you'd pay for an average like new new build on one of the estates wow. so it, yeah kind of made it accessible to us which was amazing we
0: are um yeah really really lucky to have found it when we did yeah, that sounds incredible. And I think it's one of those things as well. Sometimes you really lose hope when you're looking and looking and you're just, you're like yeah. scraping the barrel to see if there's anything that you could yeah. potentially make work. But it seems yeah. like it came at just the right time.
1: Yeah. 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 We were, we were so kind of pleased to have it. We were very much focused on growing veg then. And um, the flowers kind of, I mean, when, when, when we got the farm, like we had these wild ambitions of all we were going to do and I don't think we quite realised like the the immense like we wanted all these animals and like the immense amount of workload that running like a farm is. Um, but we um we've kind of found our feet over the over the years and worked out what works what works for us. Um, but we kind of always planned a little cutting garden um and to kind of focus first on like a veg box type scheme. Um, but kind of we've, we've been here six years now and the veg side, as much as we love growing like the veg for us, like we are a family, like we've got four, four young children under 10 um, and we've got a mortgage to pay and we just can't really make a living on the veg, which is sad, but it's kind of a reality. Of- oh,
0: I think... I can't hear you anymore. Oh, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, there we go. You're back now. Sorry, you just went silent. I was like, oh no, I can't hear anything.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you've got me back. Okay, Um, perfect. Where shall I pick up from
0: there? Um, If you go from veg just wasn't making a living. And then moving into the cutting garden
1: yeah yeah we were really just struggling to kind of make ends meet with the veg um and kind of in in addition to that the flower side we kind of started off doing these little jam jar poses on the farm stand at the end of our drive and that side just really started to take off um and it seemed there was kind of a lot more demand for that i think you know people can pick up veg so so cheaply in in aldi and stuff like that whereas with the flowers there was like a real excitement for like the the difference in flowers you can get from what you pick up from the supermarket and the kind of beautiful like really natural look of like british grown flowers there was just this huge kind of excitement for it and it's um yeah, so that's kind of grown to be probably the main the main focus of, of the farm now.
0: That is amazing and so inspirational. So, did you say you've been on the farm for six years now?
1: Yeah, six years. Yeah.
0: And how long have you been farming flowers for?
1: Um, probably. I think uh, I mainly. Um, it was like during lockdown, I kind of had a lot more time here. Um just you know for kind of not not being out and about doing anything else um (laughs) and that that I really started to up the amount of flowers I grew then and so it's really only in the last two years that um that sides really I've done the bulk of kind of my floristry learning in the last year or so um and it's just yeah it's just kind of snowballed really quickly from doing like jam jar posies for a few quid on the farm stand to doing like really big weddings and things like that it's been amazing we've been really yeah lucky to have such great support and
0: definitely and your flowers are so beautiful like, like if I'd have seen them I wouldn't have known that you were quite new to um, oh, doing this you. so I have to ask are you like professionally trained or is it all kind of self-taught you have just kind of got stuck in
1: Yeah, it's a lot of self-taught. I kind of, when I first started out, did a kind of couple of generic online floristry things and kind of thought, this just isn't for me. It's not, the flowers aren't the flowers I'm going to be working with. and The the methods aren't the methods I'm going to use. It's so different as as a grower, um, only working kind of with British flowers that I was like, I I kind of realised really on that any kind of traditional floristry training was not particularly helpful to me. So what I've kind of done is when, when there's been something new I've got that I've needed to work on, I've generally booked a few one-to-ones with um, local florists I know or other flower farmers. Um, mm-hmm. Like I did, I did one in bridal bouquets to kind of learn some of the more mechanics for the kind of more big kind of elaborate bridal bouquets. Um kind of arches and installations um I've I've got a lovely kind of friend who's a who's a wedding florist who's done some one-to-ones for me on that kind of stuff and I've just learned bits as I kind of go along and it's been really good to help spread the cost as well like I would have loved to have done like one of the Tallulah Rose courses but as someone who's like setting up a farm like every penny we have goes into planting and infrastructure and stuff like that so kind of spending big bucks on a course has just never been anything I've I've really been able to been able to afford but I've been kind of lucky to just do it in in chunks as and when I've kind of needed it.
0: That sounds like such a brilliant way to do it as well especially because you've got that one-to-one. I've been looking at so many courses kind of trying to work out what's going to be the most helpful to me right now but like you say you're trying to plow all the money into actually making the farm work that it kind of feels a bit like a self-extravagant yeah, splurge to buy a yeah. course like that
1: yeah and I think actually so the the majority of what I've I've learned is just it's just getting hands-on and doing it like um the, doing like markets and things like that that I've done just the kind of um I was talking to a, a friend came to help me out and, and prepare for a market the other week. And she, she trained with Tallulah Rose and she was saying like, she, she loved it and like the skills she's got are amazing. And it was brilliant. And then, um, but she was saying like, you know, the, the, the kind of, because she's not working full time in floristry at the moment, she's doing it more as a hobby. She was like, just haven't got that speed yet in making up bouquets. And I just kind of haven't had that hands-on experience like to kind of to get things like that and it just comes mm-hmm. some things just do come with time and kind of when you are a grower like you are quite lucky in that um you have just got an abundance of flowers to practice with so it's not like every time you want to have a practice you go into a wholesaler and spend in you know 100 quid on flowers like mm-hmm. it's, it's lovely to have yeah such a lot to practice with
0: And it's also completely different because, like, I don't know about you, but my stems tend to not be perfectly straight, and like, they're just different to the flowers that you would be able to buy elsewhere if you were practicing. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah, it's so valuable to learn with the flowers that you're working with. But I mean, that is the that is just the beauty of of British flowers. And I think a lot of like traditional florists now, in like the wholesale customers we have, and in the the florists I've worked with, like they so appreciate that now and what that brings to their work as well. And um, like you know the the wonky stems and the kind of it, it is just the you know the beauty of that more natural look. And I actually find. I kind of thought the when I started selling flowers that the angle would be that people like that they're more sustainable. But actually, I think it's all about like the look. Like when people stop at our market stall and when people inquire about wedding flowers, they just go, "Oh, I've not I've not seen anywhere locally, or I've not seen anywhere that does flowers that look like this. Like I love this kind of more natural meadowy garden gathered kind of look. Um, yeah, it's." Uh, it- it's definitely people are, are drawn to that more natural
0: definitely and I think it's like although I would love it if every sustainability was at, at the front of everyone's minds but it's almost a nice byproduct that it's uh, a British green flowers and you just love the look of it and the fact that it's also sustainably produced and it's produced locally is like a yeah. an added bonus
1: Yeah, it's an added extra isn't it yeah but yeah I always kind of try and say to people as well like you you never want to feel like you know if you're choosing your wedding flowers and stuff like that you never want to feel like you're settling for like british flowers you know that you absolutely they are just the most beautiful and like i love that with british flowers like when you you know you see wedding photos they match the surroundings like when you're in often like the beautiful gardens of these um we did like a shoot in april um and I did like a big bouquet with different tulips and narcissi and, um, and, you know, the the garden she was in was just filled with the same kind of flowers and it was magic. And like, that's kind of something that people don't think about. Whereas if, you know, you're kind of getting married in October and you've got, um, you know, like it, it's, it's just, yeah, I just think it goes, it, it just goes really well with your surroundings.
0: Definitely. Well, it's seasonal, isn't it? It's completely seasonal. Yeah. yeah I love it. Um, so, of all of your customers, so you work with like wholesale, you do the markets, you do weddings. Do you have like a particular category of customers that you prefer to work with, or are you quite happy to work um, all around?
1: I've really, I've probably like booked any sensible advice and I've just done a bit of everything. Like, mm-hmm. I really enjoy the variety. I like that some weekends are markets, some are weddings, some are workshops. I really enjoy all of it. And, um, there's not really any angle that i think oh i want to do like less of that at the moment or more of that and um, i've uh, i've really that that's definitely something i would say like to someone like yourself who's setting up as as a flower farmer to just find to find what you like and um we're all kind of so we've got a really lovely local group um of of fellow flower farmers that all kind of help each other out and um and we're all at you know we're all at different stages of life like we've all got different um you know partners with different jobs different amounts of help some of us have got kids some of us are close to retirement age um and you know kind of seeing how we all run our farms and how we fit it to our lives it's uh, for some people they're just like you no know, markets and the kind of you know they are intense there's like two days of really solid prep and you know they're often really long days of making the bouquets and then being on your feet like they're just really not for some people mm-hmm. um, some people don't like the stress of weddings some people really thrive on the creative challenge of it it's just kind of finding what you what you enjoy in it but yeah I at the minute really like the variety and doing a bit of everything.
0: Well, so I am so relieved to hear you say that because people keep asking me, like, what, who are your customers going to be? And I'm like, well, I I think I'd like to do markets and, like, there's a few florists that I've been chatting to who seem really keen and, like, I'd like to work with them and kind of get to know what they want to do. And people keep going, well, you can't do everything. You can't just, like, you need yeah. to pick. You need to pick who yeah. your customers are going to be and really focus in on that. But I'm yeah. not, that, I'm, I'm not the not, kind of person who yeah. likes one thing.
1: No, I'm not a niche girl at all. It's just I would get... <laughs> If I was, you know, I've I've got a couple of flower farmer friends who just do the growing side and that's all, and they're just, you know, their buckets in and out, and that's mm-hmm. they're not interested in the floristry side, and like that just isn't, it just isn't me. I like to do to do all the different little bits, and it keeps me interested, and it keeps the variety, and I think as well, it really insulates you from um you know if you're if you're only in what you know things like lockdown happened, and now there's kind of a lot of worry about energy prices and I've definitely noticed like a a drop in kind of weekly like bouquet sales you know people who just have their flowers for their table every week and that's definitely you know it is a luxury isn't it and if people mm-hmm. are really fretting about energy prices over the winter that is one area where people are going to cut back um whereas you know i kind of know right well i've got these weddings booked in and i've got some funeral flowers and i kind of feel like i'm in enough areas that my kind of income risk is is spread a little bit as well
0: definitely and i just think it makes so much sense so obviously like i'm not doing it with flowers just yet because i don't have any flowers growing on the farm but my week is very much i'm at at different gardening jobs and doing different yeah, things so I still freelance in PR I'm at uh, like schools gardening twice a week I'm at a different gardening job once we come at the farm like one to two days a week and then like sometimes yeah. I'll work in a bar if there's like they need yeah, someone to yeah. cover a shift so it's quite nice to have the the variety and you're not just sat there staring at a screen all day
1: yeah, waiting for it. a
0: task to end
1: <laughs> yeah 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 I love it I'm exactly the same I really like to have lots of different things going
0: on mm-hmm I'm so happy to hear. I feel like we're very much on the same page here. Yeah, yeah. So, in a typical week, how many kind of like, I don't know if you work it in days or hours, but what do you kind of roughly schedule your week as?
1: Um, so, we generally um, our weekends are generally really busy with kind of work stuff. We usually have markets or weddings or workshops on kind of every every weekend day, really through the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, Friday is kind of our main collection and delivery day for like our weekly um, weekly kind of sales and the extra bits we do. Um, and um, so Thursday is generally quite busy with picking um, for Friday. Um, and then kind of Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're a lot more flexible in that like we have a lot more time with the kids. We kind of use that as our weekend. Um, mm-hmm. We actually home homeschool our children as well so oh, right. um they they kind of take that the beginning of the week as their weekend as well mm-hmm. um so that kind of gives us a bit more time as a family we're often kind of still um pottering on the farm and, and doing bits throughout the day but it's kind of as the kids play and it's like a lot more relaxed in the beginning of the week whereas the end of the week and the weekend it's kind of more intense proper kind of working days mm-hmm.
0: I think that's really important though to still have that like you at least know that the beginning of the week is you're always going to have that bit of downtime even if it's not a complete day off
1: (laughs) yeah yeah because it is it is really hard as well it is I find it really hard to um to tear ourselves away and to take any any time off I think especially when you know you pour you pour so much time and so much love into like your seedlings and things and thoughts of like going away summer for a few days and taking your eye off the ball like it's it's really hard to do isn't it and it's and it's really hard to turn work down if kind of weddings come in on weekends and stuff um it's um but yeah I do I do have to keep thinking like with the kids and stuff like be mindful that I don't schedule up. you know that I do leave make sure there's a few days a week where we can do more otherwise you just end up you really do end up burning yourself out don't you and
0: Absolutely I feel like I'm at a bit of a point at the moment where if I take a day off for example yesterday I was a bit hungover because I'd been out the night before yeah. and I just decided that I was going to actually not do anything that I had planned to do that day and I went yeah. uh, out for lunch with my nephews and we just like had had the day of like relaxing and chilling And then this morning I woke up in a panic being like, I'm so behind, I took that day off and I should have been doing all of this work and now I'm stressed and I've ruined the week for myself. But it was such a lovely day.
1: Yeah, and you do need it. You do really need it every now and again. It is is hard to give it to yourself, but yeah, it's... Mm. um, I've been really trying the last week or so to go like, because we've, we've had so many like ridiculously early mornings over the summer and I just always feel at this time of year like my body is literally ready to go like, <laughs> like, like hibernate now, like this is when you need to like seek some rest and yeah I've really let myself like the last, we had so many kind of half, four, five o'clock starts to be, especially with the heat wave, to be harvesting early and then, um, and then going back out at night. So it was such an intense summer. that like the past week or so, I've gone no, it's okay to just let yourself like lounge around and you like this morning, I think I had breakfast about half past 10. Like it's, um, <laughs> like it's okay to just have, you know, a few lazy mornings and kind of let your body recover a bit because it is it's a hard job on your on your
0: body it's uh, it's intense (laughs) definitely I think especially like there's a lot of activity that you don't really think about and then you get home and you're like oh my my back's really hurting like what have I been doing today and then you think back and you're like oh like sometimes you don't notice how physical a job is until you're
1: at the end of it especially just like like standing and doing like the market bouquets for like hours on end like even though I've not moved much like my back spinning kind of like a hunch and I'm always like oh really really um yeah achy I've kind of made like a non-negotiable in my week like I go to like a couple of exercise classes and it's so easy to let it slip when you're busy but I've been like, actually, I'm sometimes so kind of like hunched in a position that it's so lovely to kind of shake out a little bit and um, and just kind of move. And it is it is really important to like um, a lot of like other flower farmers say about like getting regular massages and stuff as well, because it is so it is so hard on your back.
0: Yeah, you've just hit on two things that I have been in my day to day. So at um, half past four, my sister's just gone back to massage therapy. I'm having a massage because it's her first day back but I made yoga on a Monday night my non-negotiable and today I was like I just I can't I I, I'm not going to have time to do it it's normally like 8 p.m on a Monday and I was like but it's meant to be a non-negotiable it's not meant to be a if you have time it's meant to be one of those that like you must make time for it yeah yeah
1: it's um it is it's so hard when you're busy but I really noticed the weeks that like I miss those things that kind of feel like they're looking after myself. Like, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it is important, isn't it? But yeah, definitely. hard, hard to practice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the physical fitness must be fantastic. I feel like I've definitely lost a few pounds in the last couple of months yeah. since being outside more. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah definitely I can't believe the amount of days where I think like I've not been anywhere today and like my watch is pinging like 10,000 steps by I'm like I've literally just walked a few buckets backwards and
0: forwards. <laughs> yeah and it's it's always with strength as well because you're always carrying yeah. something.
1: Yeah bags of compost and yeah you definitely don't need a gym do you with bags of
0: compost and wheelbarrows and <laughs> absolutely. Um, So you said about kind of like this time of year winding down slowly but I'm sure you're still super busy throughout the winter season, but what are you busy with during the winter season or like autumn yeah. winter? Yeah.
1: So now we are, this morning, we've been um, pulling a lot of the, the stuff that's kind of finished or just about finished from this year um, and mulching. We do all no dig. Um, so we, we we mulch with about um, an, an inch of compost every year. So we've been um, getting that on. And then um, we've got quite a lot of hardy annuals. To go to be planted, that'll go in and they'll overwinter in the ground to hopefully give us nice early early spring flowers. Um, we'll be doing a huge amount of bulb planting over the next month or so. <laughs> um, yeah, it's when I actually think about it, I go, yeah, maybe it's not that quiet. Um, November, I've actually planned a couple of weeks off um, for like the first time I think since we've had had the farm. Oh wow. <laughs> it was my 30th birthday next year so we're going to have a little holiday which will be so nice like feel like we're really really ready for it so mm-hmm. that'll be lovely have a bit of a break um but then at the end of November we've got then starting to get into a lot of wreath making workshops all through December we're really busy with um with that um and then yeah January will be a little bit quieter again um but it, I kind of say quieter it'll be quieter in terms of you know there won't be our markets don't run over the winter and stuff like that but um we've, we've we've always got such a long list of like infrastructure projects and like the next thing that needs ticking off where um i'm doing a one-to-one tomorrow with um zanna of spindle flowers and um, mm-hmm. she focuses on foliage and um, quite a lot so um we are like lucky that we do have quite a bit of land to use and kind of more than we would use for for just flowers so we're hoping we can kind of learn what's what's best for planting foliage wise and get that established over the next few years to kind of set us up for the future so that'll be a big a big winter project planting um yeah hopefully planting a lot for for foliage but yeah there's always kind of so many bits on the list that that need getting to over the winter that but it's kind of a, it's a slower pace and the days are shorter so it's um yeah it never feels quite so intense but um yeah it's yeah. just a
0: different kind of busy really isn't it it is yeah yeah <laughs> It sounds very exciting though and um, so talk to us about your actual growing space so you've got six acres of land how much of it do you farm?
1: Yeah so we've probably got set out to like beds we've probably got about a quarter of an acre kind of in production as beds um, mm-hmm. and then we've probably got about another acre that we've kind of got as um like a forest garden and I don't know if you know like much about like permaculture the kind of permaculture thing of forest gardening Mm -hmm. Um, so we've kind of planted the the top layer as as fruit trees Um, we've got about 40 50 different types of fruit tree Um, and then we've kind of started planting the underneath layer with like different shrubs that either I can use for cutting and things like flowering currants really beautiful for foliage and um, or that kind of provide provide edibles and stuff and um, so that's kind of all all just I think we planted a lot of the fruit trees maybe four years ago so they're just kind of starting to look like trees now and not like kind of little sticks in the ground mm-hmm. so that
0: sounds kind of, so magical
1: it is it's lovely it is really it's it's we were really lucky that there was a few of the like original fruit trees from the 30s there. So I think we've got a plum, about three or four apples, a couple of damson trees. And they're just really like magical old, old kind of trees. Um, and they kind of provide a bit of the structure for it. So it's, yeah, it's, it'll hopefully be be really nice as um, as, it, as it all kind of establishes it's Definitely. um it's nice now like to to start and taste some of the fruits and stuff the first few years we were like our family of six like chopping one apple up between <laughs> it but yeah in a few years we won't know what to do with it
0: all I was going <laughs> to say probably next year you'll have so much you won't really even be able to give it away
1: yeah yeah but that's yeah, the point
0: that's you that's want that's to be at that. really isn't it
1: yeah it is yeah
0: yeah <laughs> and do you have um like a polytunnel or a greenhouse
1: yeah we do yeah we've got quite a good sized um polytunnel and then we've got probably three or four little kind of normal size greenhouses um as well it's um yeah our polytunnel's a bit i it, it gets a little bit over hot we struggle with ventilation in it a little bit um i wish i'd kind of got one with the sides that go up i think because of mm-hmm. the size of it, it it struggles a bit with ventilation but Yeah, it's, it's, it's great for, um, we've, we've mainly grown veg in it so far. So this will be the first year that we kind of are pretty much turning it over to flowers. So that'll be really good fun to kind of see how much we can extend the, extend the season with it. Um, we're going to put some of our tulips in there and stuff, see if we can get a bit of an earlier, an earlier batch of
0: those and stuff. Mm -hmm. So what other than the tulips, what else are you going to grow in your polytunnel? Mine should hopefully be finished in the next few weeks but i yeah. am just debating what what if, what the actual crops going in there are going to be yeah, i feel like i should really have planned hard. it earlier
1: yeah it's really hard to decide isn't it i think i'm going to put i'm going to put some snapdragons in to get those earlier i'm definitely going to put some stocks in um and then i think of all the kind of hardy annuals i've planted like through for going into the beds on the farm, I think I'm, I'll probably take maybe six of each variety and, mm-hmm. and kind of got those just so I've got a good mix and I can see what kind of thrives in there and that should give me a, good a idea. few mixed bouquets early on in the um, anemones and ranunculus will be another a big one they'll um, they'll take up a lot of the, the tunnel space my <laughs> sweet
0: pea have you grown the ranunculus before? Yeah. And you yeah. have had success with them,
1: yeah. Um, they they are a bit of a they are a bit of a diva, aren't they? It's um, yeah. I am um, I did some last year. We did some of the really like the fancy Italian ranunculus varieties, and they were beautiful. The plants that grew um, mm. had a bit of a watering issue in there, like we're um, because we were kind of growing a mix of veg and stuff. We've we've been a bit. Um, it's kind of switching between the way we water um, and we had a bit of a so we lost quite a few plants where we just didn't didn't water them <laughs> um, but the ones that did well did really well so it kind of spurred me on this year to go right I can't take my eye off the ball with the water in yeah but um, so um yeah we're gonna we're gonna have another go this year and hopefully they always do I always find they do so much better from an autumn sowing And, um, and also that they do loads better in the, in the tunnel than ones we've, we've done outside. Mm
0: -hmm. So this year I, last year, I swore that I was never going to, I say last year, this year, I swore I was never going to grow them again because they, I had one flower and they had just caused me so much grief. The whole, I autumn sowed them. And then I spring sowed some and I got one flower of a whole, whole batch of them. They cost me a fortune. But now that I've got a polytunnel and I've got ventilation on one side, so I'm like, yeah. but should I try one more time? Uh, just
1: yeah, have a go. I think like so much of gardening and like farming is just like persistence and like resilience and like you've just got to keep, just sometimes you just have a bad year and something will do terribly and sometimes it'll go. I've kind of got to a point now where like I don't, I try not to get ups- upset or like stress about anything. I just go, right, that's, I've, thrown a load of my money away there because that's all died but move on because something else will have done well and i think you've kind of got to have like that attitude towards it and go yeah try again you know if maybe for a few years you're going oh this really isn't working or this really isn't worth the money Mm -hmm. i've bought a lot of the, the the kind of cheaper variety ranunculus this year and mixed some of the more expensive ones in to kind of stagger the cost a little bit um but, yeah, you know some things you do go, okay, that's probably not worth the investment, but um, I think with with some stuff, you've just gotta yeah keep keep trying at it and um and eventually, the first few years I grew ranunculus, I had really pants, <laughs> with it. um, yeah, it's,
0: it's just so with I them because they're so expensive. expensive yeah they are
1: so expensive it's um it's gutting when when you've had something like that but you've spent a load of money it is absolutely gutting but yeah it's um yeah it's when then when you get it and you get it right you're like oh like they're so they are so so worth it
0: i imagine it's the best day ever (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah they are beautiful aren't they
0: and so we've talked a little bit about some of the varieties that you're growing, but can you give us like a bit of an overview of kind of the key key flowers that you would say are like your must grows?
1: Yeah, yeah. So again, I think like what we were saying earlier, I'm um, not someone who does niche very well. So I have a ridiculously wide range. I want to grow everything. and I like to do a little bit of, of everything, but definitely some things I've kind of learned this year um but yeah i'll i'll go through kind of yeah so we'll we'll probably we'll start the season with we grow a lot of um a lot of daffodils and and different narcissi varieties um we just plant them all straight into the grass um because i obviously don't have to weed then um there's a few kind of quite delicate varieties that i don't feel have done brilliantly in the grass so i'm going to put a few more of those into beds this year um, some of the really like cute pink dwarfy um, dwarfy varieties um, get a bit lost in the grass. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put some of those. Um, I really like some of the really delicate ones in like jam jars and stuff. So um, I'll put some of those in beds. But the majority, we just grow straight in the grass and they come back every year. So that's a really nice, easy, fuss-free kind of um, crop. Tulips, I love. You know, they're they're quite a contested ones with with flower farming as to whether you know they are a, a particularly profitable crop because you know, as you know, the, the the especially the kind of fancy double varieties and stuff, they are really expensive to that buy. Is um and you you know you can't always command a a, a fantastic price for them compared to like supermarkets and stuff so um but I love them I just love them and my customers love them and there's not a lot growing at that time of year and I would feel horrendously like bereft of flowers if I didn't grow
0: loads of tulips yeah Uh,
1: yeah I love I love those it's a great great start to the year um and then yeah, we just kind of grow grow a bit of everything through. I don't grow many peonies um just because they do they take quite a bit of space, quite a, a long time to establish, and you only get a couple of weeks of flowers. Um we have a fantastic um flower farmer growing peonies down Leicestershire way um Eleanor the peony farmer Mm -hmm. um and she she wholesales she sends them out in cardboard boxes and stuff so at the moment when I want to do peony bunches and if I've got markets I buy in I buy in from her and that kind of works works quite well and I I think for for us at the moment we probably will get some a few established we've got a few daughters around and we probably will get a few more established over the years but mm-hmm. it's 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 nice when you can use someone else that kind of specializes in that as well
0: definitely June,
1: we have lots of roses i really adore adore roses um and then, yeah, and then kind of getting into summer, we we do like a, a real kind of mix of then like your, your hardy annuals, just bits of kind of everything really for mixed mixed bouquets. Um, and then peak summer, um, dahlias, I need to grow a lot more dahlias next year. I really didn't have enough to keep up with um, with demand really this year. I had um, the kind of little local group of flower farmers we've got, um, we all kind of help each other out if we're short for weddings or or whatever. So I've had to buy in quite a few extra buckets of dahlias for market bunch mm-hmm. stuff. So um, definitely, really need to up that next year.
0: And do you have a rough estimate on how many dahlias tubers you had this year?
1: Yeah, I think we had somewhere between fifty and hundred. I think. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, I didn't feel, and I really, I really bittered the varieties and I think I should have done more of each, um, of each one because I find for markets being able to make almost like a recipe of like, I'm going to have a few buckets of pinky peachy ones and a few buckets of more autumnal colours is loads easier than when you go, right, I've got three purple dahlias and three and you kind of, every bunch is different it, um, for kind of speed and efficiency. Um, I think it's, yeah, I'm definitely going to be a bit more organized about that this year. And then, um, and what I'll kind of make making bunches and kind of color palettes easier.
0: Mm. um This leads me quite nicely uh, to the other question I had, which was so color scheme wise, had, which was, so color wise, yeah. How do you? like do you go with just colors that you like or you do you try and force yourself out of the comfort zone and try and grow like the rainbow
1: yeah I think I think my first few years are definitely really focused on growing what I liked and then by the end of the seasons I was a bit like I'm a bit I'm a bit bored like of I feel like I'm making the kind of same bunch over and over again Mm -hmm so I've really pushed myself in like past years to step out of that a little bit and I think the times that I have bought in flowers from other flower farmers and I've gone oh I never would have grown that for myself but I actually love it I've really loved working with it and actually that real pop of bright yellow or that so yeah that's kind of pushed me to I definitely have kind of a core of of What you know, I'm quite drawn to, and I think a lot of different flower farmers and florists kind of you can see their style in their flowers, the colors that they're drawn to. Um, but yeah, I do try and push, and like we get when we get wedding bookings, like I've got quite a lot of next year's weddings booked in, that kind of pushes me to go right that bride's wanting this, so that sometimes makes me plant stuff I wouldn't necessarily choose. For myself but then might love it um and, and end up using it like I ended up this year planting um I had a wedding that ended up being postponed actually but I ended up I, I planted a lot of like real darks for it like really really dark burgundies and like almost black kind of dahlias oh wow! I, I perhaps wouldn't have like chosen them for myself and I've just loved them I've used them so much um that that was really nice to have those uh yeah
0: and so, year to year, do you have like a, like, do you try and document as much as you can so that you know which things you did and didn't like? Or is it kind of like a, because I'm terrible yeah. for going, I'll remember that. I'll remember yeah. that forever. Oh,
1: I'm terrible. I found, I found it, uh, my, my, we, we've been laughing about this like all summer that like one of the trays I picked up to plant was like zinnias and stuff. <laughs> I'm like, what? Why, why would you ever label a tray and stuff? Like, what is, uh, I'm, I'm really bad. I always think I'll have the time. Ta- like, I'll remember. I always think I'll have the time, and then I don't. Um, I'm, I, love, I really love Instagram. So I take a lot of photos on there and share stuff through there. I save a lot of posts into different folders on my Instagram. So if people are sharing tulip varieties that I like the look of, I save it in a folder called tulips. And then when I come to do my tulip order... I've got like a list there of of things that I've wanted to remember from, because um, it's quite a lot of time sometimes, isn't it? Like yeah. now I'm kind of, right, I definitely want more of these dahlias and that. Um, I use Google Keep all the time to take little notes and then kind of can search through for for tulips. But yeah, when I come to order dahlias, it's like January time. I don't I don't want to kind of have, have have forgotten. So I normally try and at the time they're flowering have my list for like mm-hmm. the next year
0: ready to ready to go. I really like the Instagram folder thing. I never put them in folders, I just save them and then I I go and look through and yeah. I'm like, oh I can't find anything that yeah, I thought like was in here. here. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I yeah, I started out like that, then kind of went for stuff like tulips and dahlias where there's a lot that really mm. helped.
0: Yeah, that's a really good
1: idea. If you want to try. And the same for like combos, like when I see um, a, a florist who's like used a particular color combination or a plant combination that I think works really well. I'll have like a bouquets one to kind of save that to look through for like inspiration and stuff.
0: Yeah, no, that's such a good idea. I um, did get out when I was doing all of my seed orders. I got out all of the books I've got on flowers.
1: And yeah. I added like
0: post-it notes to all of them and made like lists of everything here, there and everywhere. And then when I was like, I haven't thought enough about foliage, I went through specifically to the foliage section was like taking the notes yeah. that I'd put from the notes on there.
1: Yeah, that's a really big one, isn't it? I think that's something that people say like is the like the the most overlooked part when you start growing flowers to really want to make like a lot of bunches is that everyone kind of thinks about the flower and it's having enough foliage is is the the tricky part like Definitely. we've we've been quite looking got a lot of like hedging with like privet and stuff that like I can use in a pinch to kind of bulk up and we've got um like the um I didn't until I went to like this flower festival the other week I didn't realize that like elder at this time of year um Oh, it's just beautiful. It turns like this gorgeous, like pinky red, and it was in so many of the arrangements. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, we've got loads of that. Like oh, amazing. And, um, yeah, it was it was really um yeah, it was really inspiring to um it was the Strawberry Hill Flower Festival. Oh
0: yeah.
1: Um, and it's um it's all British flowers and it's all sustainable floristry, and it was just the the most inspiring thing I think I've ever been to. I came away just completely buzzing with like ideas and like the different ways um they'd kind of used especially because it was it was late September like the foliage and stuff that people had used it was just yeah it was amazing really really inspiring
0: I'll have to add it to my must attend events for yeah. next year <laughs> yeah definitely it's quite nice to have it a bit later in the year as well because I feel like June July August is so busy for events and things yeah. it's kind of hard to pick which ones
1: you'll make yeah. it to. Yeah. It was really nice it was like a really nice kind of end end of the season kind of thing and everyone had just used like these you know like really little seasonal ingredients like crab apples and like um, a man's beard and things like it and rose hips and um just things that you kind of wouldn't necessarily think about using um, and it was, ju- it was just stunning, all of it. Like I had an absolutely um, amazing, amazing time and came home with so many, so many ideas. And uh, yeah, all being British and kind of all foam free and stuff. It was, uh, yeah, it was magic.
0: What we need more of.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And
0: yeah. um, so obviously you just mentioned for foam and we talked about no dig. So um, the kind of sustainability is quite a core part of your business, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So yeah, we... how did you set up your no dig bed? So I've done four and yeah. I'm, I'm happy-ish with the process, but I want to see if there's, if you've got any top tips on doing it differently. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Um, So we have just gone, we've got no sides or anything. We've just gone cardboard, six inches of, compost or manure or um you know whatever mulch you're using and um, we use quite a lot of green waste compost and quite a lot of horse rotted horse manure because we've got a lot of people with horses around us um and uh yeah and then after that we you know we plant straight into that and then after um and then just add an inch of compost every year um definitely in terms of like top tips um be really generous with your mulch in the first year it'll mm-hmm. really make difference and the, the places we scrimped in the early years you could really tell in the amount of weeds we got oh, really yeah definitely um and then um, kind of keeping on top of like troweling out the perennial weeds for the first year or two and then you'll have you know it kind of sets you up to have a you know a, a, a way lower weed pressure and um, yeah we, we also really found that having the least amount of edge possible, we kind of have a plot, we don't have grass paths, like our paths are just wood chip. Um, so <laughs> like the least amount of edge where the grass can creep in is like the by far the kind of less, less work you'll have. Oh, okay. Um, oh,
0: that's interesting. We,
1: yeah, we've kind of tried to stick to like a, a plot as like a big rectangular block of beds rather than single beds with loads of edge where the, mm-hmm. where the grass
0: can creep well so i've done nine i've got a meter path in between 1 meter wide beds and looking yeah. at it it just it looks it looks too spacious and then i was like i could make the beds like 1.2 meters and then reduce yeah. that path in the middle but yeah. because i've only done four i'm like oh i just don't want to do them all like yeah. this end up with them all really spaced out and then it be a problem and i've not even considered the grass creeping back in
1: yeah just try it it's one of those things just try it for a year or two you can always multi-paths afterwards you can always yeah. we change the sides about the sizes of our beds a few times until we found what what worked for us and like this our our beds are quite thin I think most of our beds are they're either there I think that there might be 80 are they 80 centimeter beds or mm-hmm. maybe maybe a meter beds and um so they're quite slim and with with a quite slim path um and that some of them aren't they're just not wide enough for dahlias and stuff oh, okay and then they're really kind of encroach on the paths so, and so we're going to have to make a few wider ones this year and it's it's just kind of tweaking every year to find out Absolutely. to find out what, what works for you
0: it's completely different in everyone's growing space as well isn't it so yeah. i'm told that mine's going to be quite wet in the winter because yeah. it's really really heavy clay in a really yeah. really wet area <laughs> yeah. um but I'm hoping that because the the no-dig beds obviously raise it up somewhat yeah, that hopefully that's yeah. going to help
1: yeah our allotment our last allotment was really wet and um we were kind of a no-dig plot in between two that were, were just traditional and we really benefited from it like when it would get waterlogged and stuff there'd really be a noticeable difference in our part to the two either side and oh amazing that was really good to see with like no with no dig with the
0: um with the wet ground yeah oh I'm so glad it's just one of those like when you're first getting started it just for everything feels a bit overwhelming but everything yeah. that you've said so far I feel like much more confident in in my plans yeah. to date. oh yeah
1: yeah, yeah, you'll you'll get there. It's it's yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it? And you you learn so much more every year, and it's um and just kind of keep keep adding to it. I don't think I'm quite a harsh critic of myself, and like every year, I'm like, damn, I wish I I really wish I'd have done more of this, and I wish I'd have planned this better, and I wish this sort of um you know this hadn't have happened or this um. But when I like look back on it I go no actually you know it's been a really successful year and we've learned so much and we're going to take this forward to next year you just kind of take little steps each year to um
0: yeah definitely and I think as well like as much as it's annoying that something hasn't quite worked out you'd have never learned that that wasn't going to work unless you'd have done it so
1: yeah, yeah that's it yeah it's, yeah I it's not like it future you to you <laughs> yeah yeah some of your your biggest lessons definitely come from from your failures and I think like we've I've really learned this year as well like that you don't need to be like an island like you know um I I don't I've always like said you know we don't want to be like self-sufficient like it's fine to work with others like we've we've got this lovely community and like we're members of flowers from the farm as I think you are as well um and we've kind of got our regional groups and like within that, then we've got a few kind of local groups of some of us that are kind of just within a 15, 20 minute drive. Mm -hmm. Like We are all, you know, we can, we're all there to help each other out. If one person's got a wedding that's wanting all pinks and they're two buckets short, we, you know, we all pitch in and help each other out. And if something goes wrong and you have to rely on someone else, it's not, it's not the end of the world. It's all part of, you know, and I think we will, be slightly more self-sufficient each each year you know I'll kind of go the daily as I've had to buy in this year I'll plant a bit more of that this year but then you kind of you just never know that when something big comes along it's it's always nice to work with other people and uh,
0: definitely yeah. and just to have that support as like a confidence thing to know that if something does go wrong you've got other people to kind of fall back on who kind of know like how yeah. you're feeling and what you're going through
1: yeah oh yeah it's been it's been massive having other people to chat to who just get it it's uh, yeah invaluable
0: so we're probably coming near enough to the end of the podcast now but I've got a few more questions that I want to ask you before you go um starting off with something that is just a real classic podcasty question but if yeah. you could only grow one flower you can go specific variety or a bit more of a generic category because it's quite high pressure but what would you yeah. go for
1: Oh I think uh, I absolutely love cosmos I think it definitely would ha- have to be one of the flowers like cosmos or tulips that kind of almost come with a foliage so just en masse on its own like I just love how a big bunch of cosmos looks with the gorgeous feathery
0: foliage yeah they're so like wafty as well last year and the year before uh, I did not appreciate them to their full potential yeah. because the stems were really short and I I didn't know that you could cut them so much further down and so yeah. I was annoyed by all of these stupid fiddly little bouquets and then yeah. once I learned a bit more about floristry you can cut them like a meter long yeah. they're just yeah. amazing
1: yeah they add such gorgeous like bounce to, mm. to bouquets and stuff and there's a really gorgeous variety called um, apricotta. I don't know if you've seen I've,
0: it yeah I've, I've got the seeds I've got the seeds yeah. ready <laughs>
1: so lovely it's like a beautiful like blushy pink with like a touch of apricot in the middle and just goes with everything it looks lovely with with, like autumnal
0: it looks like a sunset
1: yeah it's so beautiful that's been a real like favorite this year
0: I'm glad because that is the cosmos that I'm most excited for for next year. Yeah,
1: there's always, like, something, isn't there, like, for next year that I'm like, this is the one I'm yeah. so excited to uh, to see. Yeah, that was mine for this year, and it, it has lived up to expectations. I love it.
0: Oh, I cannot wait. Um, yeah. And then the next question, you said about failures. Have you got, yeah. like, one particular failure that really stands out as, like, a lesson learned?
1: Oh, <laughs> there's, there's probably quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was one year where I made the biggest rookie mistake ever of like we were planting out a, a few, like a hundred cucumber plants or something in the polytunnel, and I left the trays in there to go in for lunch on like a really hot day and just fry in like a couple of hours just fried like hundreds of plants that we'd been oh, growing no. for. <laughs> that was really gutting and um, We've had a few um, where we've we we once had a, a volunteer helping us out who was doing a bit of um, streaming for us. We had workaways um, and woof volunteers um, mm-hmm. a little bit where people kind of come over on a work exchange um, for our, our first first year or so. And um, we we had a guy who was doing a bit of streaming for us, and he streamed like about. 20 like willow trees we planted like literally right to the right to the bottom that was oh a no. really a really gutting fail but um <laughs> you know, every every year we have we have loads that you know things through like it's it is so intense that like especially on like hot days and stuff with things like watering like you have just got to be so on it all the time and it's so it's so hard especially when you have like kids and life and work and other things kind of going on to go. Like, it's a really hot day. Like I, if I leave that in the greenhouse for, you know, a few hours in the heat, it will just fry. It's that'll um, be yeah, it. yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a plant fryer.
0: <laughs> Me too. Do you have any <laughs> irrigation systems at all?
1: We do. We've got on our two main plots. We've got sprinklers mm-hmm. Um, just, um, just overhead sprinklers it was the kind of cheapest simplest way to do it it has been a godsend like uh, probably one of the best things um we've done just because we kind of put it in cuz we thought you know we have got young kids and like our time is so stretched mm-hmm. that um spending hours watering on hot days is just we're we're not going to be able to do it and we don't really want all the hard work to go you know to to you know to, to fry and stuff on hot days so it's through like this summer when we've had the heat wave I mean we mm. try and use it as little as little as we possibly can and if we can just we've got a lot of um like IBC containers and stuff
0: um but that that's that's really good to hear as well because everyone says it's worth you like you really need to invest in like these expensive irrigation systems which again as a starter upper there just isn't yeah. Isn't it's the so money.
1: hard to know like where to spend your money, isn't it? It's is so incredibly, incredibly difficult. But yeah, we've got a really simple sprinkler system, and it's been more than you know, more than good enough for, for what we use. And at, even with the, the the drought and the heat waves this year, everything everything that's been on the sprinkler, it, it's thrived really. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's watered excessively. You know, we really tried to conserve it wherever mm-hmm. we could. Um, again I think no dig helps for massively you know, yeah water but um yeah it, it has been a real help
0: and then final question if you were going to give a newbie flower farmer three kind of like pieces of life advice <laughs> what yeah. would they be
1: <laughs> yeah definitely um To not go too big at first, um, to, you know, kind of having a smaller area and being able to keep on top of it and being able to pick and deadhead like every stem is definitely better than trying to do a big area. Um, I would definitely say to say yes to things that scare you a lot. Like I've done so many things in the last year that I've felt wildly like inexperienced and not ready for, but they've actually been amazing experiences like um you know doing your first wedding is terrifying but um they've all been amazing and I'm kind of when I look back on it now I'm like I'm so glad I kind of put myself forward for this opportunity or I'm so glad I said yes to this when I could have easily gone oh no I'm not ready um it's definitely worth kind of putting yourself out there and having having a go
0: Definitely, and you must be so proud of how much you've achieved over the last few years as well. Like, I just think you're absolutely smashing it. It's such an inspiration!
1: Oh, thank you. Oh, I can't wait to see what you do at um,
0: at your farm. Me neither. I mean, it's a very nerve wracking time, as you know. But I feel like speaking to other people that are in a similar situation or have at least been through that kind of like early setup stage. Everyone is so helpful and so willing to share all of their knowledge and advice I just think it's you definitely feel supported
1: yeah that's it and kind of spending time with it like flowers from the farm meetups and things like that where- people open their pots up and kind of or booking one-to-ones with anyone you really want to learn I've had quite a lot of requests in the last year for people um who were setting up a, a flower farm and have, have wanted to do a bit of learning with me and it's lovely to be able to to pass that on and it's um yeah there's there's so much like support support out there when you're um when you're setting up it's uh yeah it's great
0: yeah you just have to take the the first few brave steps to
1: to get you there do, yeah. and yeah, not quit I mean, it's, it's great no it's it's growing massively as well and like your passion is there like it's um you know when it's what you love it is just so you know we often like talk about the ha- the, the hard parts but everyone is like oh it's just the dream job and it, it really is it's being surrounded by so much beauty and being outside it is an absolute like I don't think I've ever been happier than in the last couple of years like I love it I really feel like I've found something that I just absolutely
0: adore that feels like, like a perfect point to end on such a happy note
1: yeah yeah oh, thank you so much for having me
0: no thank you it's just it's been so wonderful to speak to you and to kind of hear about your yeah. full adventure yeah. <laughs> If you've enjoyed listening today please do subscribe to keep up to date with upcoming episodes and leave a review each share comment and style rating makes such a difference in helping new growers to find the podcast and learn from all of the incredible guests who have been featured in the meantime i'd love to hear any of your stories and questions on instagram at diary of a lady gardener or via email diary of a lady gardener at gmail.com that's all from me this week happy growing